Plum, and I am your host of a Pennant and Napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to Foundation Friday number 29 and our continued discussion, part two of our discussion on practice culture. Last week, we talked about a, a few things uh, dealing with practice culture, and this week we're going to pick up on the second half of that. Um, we left off with toughness last week and 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 being tough and I think it's really important that um, you, you take a look at your team and you identify your tough players as quickly as possible and if you have kids that are not ready to buy in to what you're doing you identify those players as quickly as possible as well um, I think it's important sometimes, and it depends on what situation you walk into, uh, but sometimes it's more important to to identify those that are not ready to buy in quicker than it is to identify those that are ready to buy in. And the ones that are not ready to buy in, the ones that are not ready to step up to your standards in your program, and you got to remember, it's your program. It's your team. And you are the one that is responsible for it. So it's not up to you to lower your standards. It is up to everybody else to raise themselves up to your standards, but to identify that as well. In practice, it's really important to build a a, a, a culture of aggression, okay? And to make your players aggressive uh, in our philosophy of attack, uh, the first A stands for appreciation. The the second A in attack stands for aggression. Okay, so how do you get your players more aggressive? You have to do it on a daily basis. You have to move forward inch by inch. Okay, and point out aggressive plays, emphasize aggressive plays, um, show it to them on film. When you're doing a film breakdown with your team, show them uh, what you're seeing and, and what you're trying to emphasize as tough plays. And we're not talking, you know, uh, to, to to take a look at uh, the last dance, you know, Lambeer tough plays are not tough plays. That's just, that's just being a bully, okay? Being a tough play is a great box out. Being a tough play is a great closeout and cutting somebody off uh, before they beat you to the spot. A tough play is is stepping through and making a, a good pass and splitting a double team uh, and, and hitting somebody on time on target. Those are tough plays, all right? You model tough plays in practice uh, and aggression in practice. Uh, peer support, and, and you, you, you say it's okay to have that. You know, I, I had a situation, one of the situations where I really thought uh, our, our program turned the corner at Scott was we had a day where our toughest player and our most skilled player uh, got into it in practice. And the tough player was just, you know, after practice, she went up to, to, to her and said, hey, look, I'm just, I just want to make you better. That's all I want to do. And and you're you're a way better than me, but I'm way tougher than you. And 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 if I can get a little bit of your skill, and you can you can get a little bit of my toughness and aggression, we're going to be really really good together. And and that's exactly what happened. All right. Another way you can emphasize aggression and toughest toughness in practice is having a daily award, uh, a lunch pail or a hard hat or something like that. To okay, here is a symbol of toughness, and you institute a uh, uh, a, a culture of pride in carrying around that hard hat or that lunch pail with them. All right. Um, Coach Eastman talked about this in his pod with me a couple of weeks ago. Coach in bullet points, you know, uh, 
make your make your communication short, make it easy to understand, and you move on to the next thing. He always, you know, he talked about how he communicates in three bullet points: do this, do this, do this. Let's move on. All right, uh, Pete Carrill, be great at things that happen a lot. Okay, um, worry about defensive transition as an example. You're gonna you make uh, you know the best teams score. Uh, in, at the high school level, around 40% of their possessions on average. So you're going to spend 60% of the game in defensive transition in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a turnover, a missed shot, uh, whatever it may be. So you've got to practice defensive transition a lot in practice, okay? So make sure that you practice the things that happen a lot, okay? Um, I think it's really important to start every practice with a pre-practice meeting. Sometimes that's really short. Sometimes that's that's 60 seconds. Sometimes it's longer, depending on what you feel like you need to address. But you, you know, Don Meyer was a big fan of using notebooks and having players write things down. I think that's really, really important with what you do. Um, and and you got to make sure that your players are locked in, that you're not... Uh, you know, have, you're not having kids just kind of uh, count uh, the holes in the ceiling, in the perforated ceiling, or uh, thinking about what happened in geometry class. You've got to have a, a an idea, a repercussion, some sort of way to build a culture in your practice. That what if if I'm going to talk about it, I really think that it's important. So you better be tuned in to me, okay? Um, as you develop your program, I think it's really important that veterans teach rookies. Uh, we would do that in summer camps, especially um, where we would have everybody all together. And so I would put a lot of pressure on our juniors and seniors to and partner them up with our freshmen. You know, this is how we do this, Joe. This is how this works. This is what speed free throws means. Uh, this is how you execute that. And this is how you have them explain it. Okay. And it teaches leadership within your program. Okay. Um, I think this is really important for us as coaches because sometimes we overemphasize coaches. Once they get it in a drill and they've got it and you feel like they've got it, you know, they've got it down. Get out of it. Move on. Okay. If you had a drill scheduled for 12 minutes, but you feel like after eight minutes they've got it, get out of there. Get out of there. Move forward and let them know, hey, you guys picked up on this. We're supposed to have this drill last 12 minutes, but we're moving on. Great job. And you emphasize that. And that makes it uh, better and clearer that the players understand your expectations better. And they have a little bit of a carrot at the end of the stick. They understand that, hey, if we bust our butt, uh, coach is trusting us that if we bust our butt and we take care of our stuff, we're going to move on. And, and maybe the practice that's scheduled for an hour and 45 minutes, if we do this consistently, we're done in an hour and a half, which makes your practice better. And then that gets them excited for coming back the next day. Um, in your weekly communication, I think it's really important to have a really, at the very least, a really simple newsletter with practice times and 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 summaries of the week that you can send out via email to your parents. But I also think it's important that you keep hammering the important things in your program in those in those weekly newsletters, the important details that you want to emphasize, what we're looking at, um, those type of ideas. Uh, keep hammering those things because uh, we talked about this before. You know, you're going to have the kids for two hours uh, and and sometimes the, the kids um, 
they can go home, and I've referred to this before as dinner table problems. You can do all these great things in two hours, and within five minutes at the dinner table, that can be completely shot. Well, if your parents, if you give your parents a little bit of a glimpse behind the curtain to, you know, we're teaching this, and this is what we need to emphasize and what we need to take care of, uh, or this is what we're working on in practice, they know what you're working on, and maybe that will help them understand, okay, yep, this is what they're doing, this is what we see, and we go from there, all right? Your daily improvement, I think I'm going to read this directly here. Your daily improvement is directly proportional to your attention to detail in practice, okay? What is your attention to detail? Uh, how are you going to let things go? I was watching a coaching video yesterday with a guy named Greg Campy. I hope I said that name correctly. Uh, he's the head men's basketball coach at the uh, at Oakland University and in Michigan. He's been there for 36 years. Uh, he's got a really, really good uh, uh, mid-level, uh, mid-major program going there. Um, and he did some really, really good things. You know, uh, he's doing this clinic and, you know, you're, you're watching these clinics and you've seen these videos just like I have, you know, just watching it. Um, he's getting on these kids who he's never going to coach again about walking off the court after a drill. You know, a kid just, he kind of jogged off the court. And then the last half of the way, he walked off. And he stops the whole drill. And and for two minutes, and he's not berating this kid, but he's trying to get this kid to understand why you can't do that and why that's important. And if I was recruiting you, I would discontinue recruiting you based on that right there. Uh, and, and you know, so that attention to detail. Uh, do you have a good flow with your practice plan? Or are you throwing it together at the last minute? And sometimes, especially us as high school coaches, we can't help that because we've got we've to teach about uh, the Watergate break-in or we've got to teach geometry or we've got to teach the catcher in the rye and we've got to give six lectures that day and, and we've got to make this phone call and we've got to do this or I've got to sick it. You know, I get it, but the more you plan things out and the better you prepare yourself when you get those in those situations, and we're going to be in those situations. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when we're in those situations. We're prepared to handle it a heck of a lot better, all right? The biggest thing you can do is to infuse your team with passion and get them passionate about practice, all right? How do you do that? You have steady emotions, okay? Uh, you have steady emotions, you listen. You listen to your players. If they've got an idea, you know, one of the things I'm talking about with my new team, um, hey, if there's something you really like, you got to let me know. And, and I'm ready to listen to you. If there's something that I'm doing that you really don't like and it's not fitting, you know, you got to let me know. Understand now, I might, you know, will I follow, you know, will I listen all the way? Will I change what I'm doing? You know, well, we'll see, you know, but I'm always going to listen. Okay, so you got to make sure that you're that you listen to your players and you listen to your assistant coaches. Be there. You got to be there mentally. You got to be there physically. Get excited about things when good things happen. Okay, uh, act with integrity. All right, do things the right way. You tell your players that the the first thing I've told my team. Most important rule. We only have four rules, but the most important one: be a great teammate. And being a great teammate has a lot to do with integrity. All right, be genuine. Uh, be who you are. Don't try to be something that you're not. Don't try to be uh, Rick Pitino. Don't try to be Don Meyer. Don't try to be Gino Arayama. You've got to be you, okay, and be genuine in who you are. At the same time, no excuses, okay? High standards, no excuses. This is how we get it done, all right? And then be prepared to mend broken fences. You're going to do things along the way, no matter what you do, that is going to hurt people's 
feelings because you have to make decisions or you have to make snap judgments. You have to take kids out of a game. You have to remove kids from a drill. Uh, you have to uh, give kids reminders on certain things. So be ready to mend those fences and have a plan for how you mend fences when things, when, when there might be some hurt feelings, where there might be some miscommunication. Have a plan for that, all right? And then the last thing to develop a great practice culture, have daily competitions. Everything is a competition. Life, in a lot of ways, is all about competition. So have daily competitions built in there. You have to teach your kids how to win, and you have to reward them for winning, and then you have to teach your kids that lost competitions how to bounce back from it. Okay, you're going to lose at certain points. Very few people, there's nobody that goes through life undefeated. Okay, so how do you bounce back from disappointment and frustration and when things go wrong? All right, so practice culture part two and how to build a great practice culture. Obviously, if you're listening, you're on iTunes or Sound iTunes or SoundCloud. Of like, rate, review, follow, subscribe, all that fun stuff. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, ideas. Email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Uh, trying to put daily coaching stuff out there. Uh, haven't been very good at it this week because I've been wrapping up the school year and trying to get that stuff done. But definitely, with the school year wrapped up, going to be a lot more stuff dropped on a daily basis. Uh, we got a couple of great ideas coming up here. Got a great interview uh, scheduled this weekend. Uh, going to try a different idea next week. I, I think you're going to like it. I think it's going to be really good, uh, but we're going to see. We're going to give something a shot here. So Foundation Friday, number 29, Building a Great Practice Culture, Part 2. Coaches, as always, stay safe and be sure to hone your craft one day at a time.